everyone. Welcome back to the CTYA podcast. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Sit back, relax, get out your favorite pencil, your favorite notebook. May you be blessed in the Lord. your hearts today and so uh, the Lord led me to to this to this message here for today we won't read an opening scripture but we will be in scripture here shortly Um, but let's bow our heads one more time and just ask the Lord to bless this time in his word thank you Jesus for this opportunity to be in your presence Lord we we aren't necessarily in a church building but when the people of God get together your presence is there and Lord I thank you for this setting that we have where our minds and our hearts are away from the main distractions of life and we're here Lord, to learn and to receive things and to fellowship with people in the same life group, in the same settings of life. And so, Lord, I want this word that I felt you direct me to, Lord, several days ago, Lord, this message that you've had me to speak, Lord, I pray that you would let me do it, Lord, with your anointing and your power and let the hearers receive it and let us respond when it's time to respond and let life change happen because of the principles in your word. We want your favor. We want your blessings. We need you, Lord, every day. Every day, Lord, even more as your soon coming is near. We've got to be ready in Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. 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 Having a plan is a wonderful thing. Can I get any planners to say amen? Amen. Amen. The rest of you were praying for you. One of the things that disturbs me the most when I get overwhelmed is um, when we don't have everything planned out like we want it to be planned out. You've heard this famous quote before, probably if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Okay, no, I'm not going to talk about planning. We're not going to get our calendars out and say, okay, now let's plan the rest of your life. But we are going to talk about the plans that God has for your life, all right? Many times as a teenager, your life was planned out for you. Now, I think most of you in this room, you're past those teenage years. But your parents most likely decided what was for dinner. Uh, Maybe if you were in a democratic republic household, you would be allowed to vote and be allowed something. But maybe you were in a dictatorship and uh, it was just whatever was done or, you know, a monarchy. And uh, so but you were it was decided where you would go to school, what the plans for the weekend were and which road you were going to take on the trip. I'm sure that you can take think back to many days or many weekends where you had one set of plans in your mind. But mom and dad had another set of plans. I mean, I was great at Thursday night youth service back in the day. We had it on Thursdays and uh, before we switched it back to Wednesdays at Calvary. But on Thursday nights was youth service, youth world as we called it then. And I remember I, I, I could make some great plans for Friday night and Saturday day and Saturday afternoon. And man, I'm telling you, me and Ben Houck or whatever, Andrew Romine, Nate Foley, uh, Ethan Opel, we could make some great plans for the weekend. But if it was the time of year like it is right now or maybe a little bit later and I I had all these great plans long before texting, long before social media, we actually had to pick up the telephone and call one another to set these plans and arrange them. Maybe it was a plan with Brother Sleva, plan to do something fun and something cool, something right on the edge of dangerous. Um, But I remember having these plans and but then dad would say, well, today's the day we get to rake the leaves on the giant ranking property up at White River. And so that meant that I did not get to go do my plans. And I thought to myself, I can't wait until I'm a grown-up and I get to make my own plans and decisions. 
Well, let me in, let you in on a little secret. When you get to about your mid-30s, you care a lot about your lawn and your yard. And on Saturdays, guess what I do? I trim back the rose bushes. I edge my lawn. I want that grass looking just right. I need to mow it one more time so that it looks good all throughout the winter. But I thought to myself, I will buy the name brand cereal if I want when I get bigger. I will get the expensive hairspray whenever I want. I will order an appetizer and a dessert. Thank you very much. I will take the highway instead of the back roads. And then one day you wake up and you're broke and you're on the wrong road. Right? Now, while there are incredible, awesome benefits to gaining your independence, and hopefully your parents are doing that well and they're letting you do a slow fade to where you're under their, they're under their household and then they're giving you that independence and yet you still have that safety net to kind of lean on them. And I encourage you to lean on them and talk to them. But you're gaining your independence, and there are some positive, powerful things that happen on your uh, life, life road of getting that independence. Um, so now you really can have more influence over your plans for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because society has labeled you as responsible for your actions. You're able, if you're over 18, many of you in most cases, to sign for contracts. You can sign liability release forms. You can go on that zip line today, and you didn't have to have mom and dad perhaps sign it if you're old enough. Even the gentlemen, you can, uh, and even ladies, I guess now, sign up to be eligible to serve your country once you hit that ripe old age of 18. That was really humbling the other day when we went to take Noah to get his driver's license to switch over to when he was 18. And they said, would you like to enroll in the selective service? And I had this feeling of like, oops, see, I did it again. I touched the microphone. I had that feeling where I was like, oh, my goodness, my son's old enough that if there was a major world conflict, he could be called up. Anyhow, but it's true. They could call you up at any day. And so while you're embracing this newfound freedom where you can get in debt and you can serve your country and you can sign contract forms and you can put your life in the hands of the ability of that zip line to hold you up, somebody that would not be doing it is this guy right here in front of you. I value my life. But while you're embracing this newfound freedom, there's most likely still this thought that's been in your heart and your mind. Am I on the right path? And have I made the right decisions? Even at the ages you are right now, you've already had to make some pretty important decisions. Some of you, you've, you're further down the road because of your age, and you've had to make more of them than others in the room. But no doubt, there are still times that you've asked yourself and had discussions with others, maybe even some of the mentors that are in this room and leaders of this, of this life group here. Um, and they've asked yourself or you've asked them, what am I doing with my life? Maybe you came this weekend hoping, God, I've got two options and I need to know which one's which. So could you tell Brother Ranking just to call me out and say, this is what you're going to do? Maybe you just said, God, whisper it to me. Let Brother Kilman or Sister Kilman come up and just whisper it in my ear or the hussies. Lord, I just need to know what I'm supposed to do once I grow up. And what's my purpose? What's your purpose for my life? What's your plan? What's your will for my life? And so I want to talk about that today. In fact. I believe today that I know what the will of God is for everybody's life here today. I can tell you what God's plan is for your life. In fact, I've known it for quite some time, even though I don't know each of you very well. I know some of you because I see your family resemblance, or I remember you when you were younger, and you were maybe in the youth group when we were back and forth visiting, and others of you, you're newer to the church, you've just moved here, or maybe you have some loose IBC connections, and so you're floating around here. And so it doesn't necessarily even matter what your background is, what school, whether I know you or not, but I do know something that you don't. 
You might know it, but we're going to talk about it here today. And in fact, I feel I feel really strongly about it that um, if there are some of you that did come and want to know what it is, I, I just want to ask if there's any volunteers. There's like one guy and one girl. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I don't know if anybody wants to come to the... Joel, you want to help me out? All right. He's one of the lucky ones that I know his name. Go ahead, Joel. Have a seat. Have a seat. Michaela, Hoprick, why don't you come sit down here? We know you. you. We went to Africa together on an AYC trip. So I'm going to tell each of them. I'm no Lee Stone King, but I'm going to tell them what, and I don't make light of him. Forgive me if that sounded like that. I'm sorry. But I want to help Joel and Michaela to know what it is that God's will is for your life. Who wants to go first? Ladies first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. And ladies are going to go first. All right. Kayla, are you ready? All right. I, I feel very confident about this. I feel that God's word teaches us this. And, and, I, and I believe that you could sit here on behalf of everybody here, but, but I'm going to tell you very specifically what God's will is for you. We were talking about it, actually, at the campfire last night, and you're not sure. And when we were talking, God reminded me that he had this lesson in mind for a potential for, for this weekend. And I felt God tell me that this is what you need to talk about. And so it's no accident that you're here in this seat. And I think this is going to help you. Um, and and these, these are, there's, there's two things I want to tell you. And that is that God's will for your life is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number one. The second thing is for you to love others as you love yourself. Love God and love others. That is God's will for you. Joel? Yours, you have a different set of circumstances. We talked about what year you're in in school and the, the things, and you were talking about what it means to be an alumni and you know what, it, what all that is. Maybe you're thinking of the future and you're thinking about what to do, and I, I, I feel like I can help you. I'm over twice your age probably. And so the thing that helped me to know what God's will was for my life and all the decisions that I made, that I want to help you as a young man with the call of God on your life, you have good family but they're letting you make those decisions. God's will for your life, Joel, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Everybody say love God. Love God. And love others. love others. Okay, you can be seated. Anybody else? I can go on to the boyfriend and girlfriend stage if you want me to call those things out. Any volunteers? Oh, Brother Williams, he's ready. <laughs> All of our lives can be found in the plan that when a lawyer was tempting Jesus and trying to corner him and ask him in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great Commandment, not the first and great suggestion, not the first and great idea, the first and great commandment. Strong words from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ while he was God in flesh walking on this earth. The second is like unto it that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and 
the prophets. Everything that's happened up to this point, everything he's been trying to teach his people, here they are trying to corner Jesus, trying to trick him, say, come on, tell us, we've been following all these laws, but what are we really supposed to be doing? And he says, love God and love others. So you think to yourself, well, thanks, Brother Rankin. Poor Michaela, she thought you were really going to tell her if she was supposed to go to this country or that country or this thing in missiology. Joel maybe was thinking, is he going to be a pastor or a youth pastor first, or what's he going to do? You know what? God will tell you those things, Michaela and Joel and everybody else in the room, when you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and when you love other people as you love yourself. You will find the answers that you're looking for if you get those two things right first. Because many people don't get those two things right and they're only caring about finding their answers. So I want to help you in your generation today. God wants to help you, I should say it that way. And I know you've heard this most of your life if you've grown up in church, but let me re-emphasize it to you. Maybe you've got off track a little bit and God's trying to get your attention today. Is that your first priority in life is to have a relationship with the Lord. When you have a proper connection with God, it will impact the rest of your life. If there was one thing I could go back and rewind, it would be to love God more and to love other people more when I was your age or even younger. Now, I feel like I did an okay job. I had a great family, had a great youth team. We had some great, wonderful, powerful memories. But I wished I would have prayed more and read more so that as I got older, it would be more ingrained in who I was. It could have saved me a lot of heartache. It could have made answers clearer. And so I'm kind of on a personal mission, and I feel like God has also empowered me to help me to share this message, that if I could help you right now to let you know that don't stress so much about where the answer is or looking for God's mysterious will in some cloud or some whisper from somebody. If you're on your knees every day talking to the Lord, and if you are in His Word, loving Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love other people, you won't only be loving yourself and what the answers are for you. You will find yourself in the middle of God's will. We're talking about God's will for your life, and many of you thought that I was going to go all operate in the gift of prophecy or the, the, the gift of discernment and I was going to give them words of wisdom and give them the exact plan for their life. I don't have that. But what I do have is the word that teaches you love God and love others. Adam and Eve were meant to be with God, but the deception of the enemy got them off track because even the devil knew in the beginning that man was meant to be with God. And so his plan has been to wreck that relationship and the family plan that God set up long uh, from the beginning. He's been attacking it ever since. He's the one that tries to distract. He's the one that tells you lies. He's the one that tries to get you on the wrong path. He's the one that makes sin so appealing and makes it feel so good and taste so good and look so good. Because he knows if you ever figure out who you are and how you can connect with God, you'll be living right in the middle of God's will for your life. So you have an enemy who's against you, but you also have a word from heaven. You can also see it not just in Matthew, but in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, for those that are marking down some notes to research later. Mark 12 and 30 records a similar question from the scribes and an answer from Jesus. And he says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So he adds another layer to it. He adds uh, soul, so not just heart, mind, and strength, but he says soul. And that word commandment, again, is very, very strong. We know that the Ten Commandments, you've probably heard this taught, but I think it bears repeating and, and reminding us that those Ten Commandments that the Lord gave the Israelites in 
in Exodus chapter 20. And if I could go back to my Calvary Christian school days, I would sing the perfect 10 song and sing, number one, we've just begun, God should be first in your life. Number two, no idol rulers, no graven images in your life. Number three, you don't use the name, name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, honor father and mother, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, no lying and no coveting. Those are separated into two different categories. The vertical commandments, your relationship with God, and guess what the other ones are? The horizontal commandments and the relationship with others. This is not an idea that's new to me. Maybe some of you have heard it before, but those first commandments that are talking about your relationship with God, those first four, and then those final six are the ones that are talking about how you walk with others. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Keep your vertical relationship right, and then it will help keep your horizontal relationships right with those around you. Keep loving God and keep loving others. Jesus, in answering the lawyer and the scribes in these passages, he's reaching back. He's looking back to the Old Testament of Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And so our heart, our heart needs to be involved in living for God. It's that vital organ of your natural body, but in your spiritual house and in your spiritual home, your heart needs to be right before the Lord. Because it has a lot to do with going, what's going on in your life. Genesis 6 and 5, the people of Noah's day, they had evil hearts. In Exodus 7 and beyond, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. In Judges 16, Samson told Delilah all that was in his heart. 2 Samuel, David's heart smote him in chapter 24. In 1 Kings 11, Solomon's heart was turned because of all the many wives he had. 1 Samuel 16, God looks on the heart to choose David over all of his brothers who were older and better looking and stronger and bigger. Psalm 34, God is near to those with a broken heart. Psalm 37, the law of God is in the heart. I think you get the point that our heart is the center of activity and it is our sincerity in living for God. Our hearts can often be broken by people or events or things, and they're a symbol of emotion. Right? February, we see hearts everywhere. If you go to the store before then, they've got the food and they've got the candy and they've got the Valentine cards out, right? It's all that symbol of love and, and, and relationship. But when is the last time you loved God with all your heart? Does he have everything in your life? Or is there something you love a little bit more that you haven't let go of yet? You won't walk in the will of God if you're loving something else while you're trying to love God. Because it's impossible. He said you can't love God and love mammon. You can't love him and love money. And I know that's talking about more of a different principle, but it's still showing that there's a division, that there's nothing that you can love as much as you love God. You have to love him with everything, all your heart. What are you passionate about? I have had convicting moments where I was more passionate about Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and whoever else we can put behind center right now that's a horrible, horrific situation for these Indianapolis Colts, right? But if I'm not careful, I can find myself reading every blog, every opinion, following every sports writer on Twitter, and just constantly being consumed with just a simple, stupid pigskin, right? And it's just so that Mr. Irsay can hold up another Lombardi trophy and I can have a few moments to be like, yeah, my team won it again. And then it's gone. But if I love the work of God, and if I love God's people, and if I love the loss, and I love God's work, you know what? That's going to continue much longer than the high of the Lombardi or cutting down the nets in March Madness. And sorry, girls, I'm doing a lot of guy illustrations, but that's who I am. Right? <laughs> Just 
When's the last time you really cried out to God with all your heart? You think, oh, Brother Rankin, this is so basic, so simple. Can I tell you? This is where it starts right here. We've got to get this right. Your soul. Loving God with all your soul, that breath, that air of life, right? We're really good about the soul and the heart and the spirit part. We love speaking in tongues. We love the goosebump feeling. We love that warm feeling that comes over our soul. Man, a good, fiery, powerful Sunday night, especially if the IBC choir is singing. Woo, I remember circling on the calendar when IBC was singing. I was like, praise God, we're having a move of God on that night, right? I knew it when I was a kid. Boy, you were not late. You did not go out of town on the IBC weekend, right? And it was awesome. It was powerful. We love serving God with our heart and our soul, right? We, we, we love that passion. But just remember, keep that fire burning in your life. If you do, you'll find yourself right in the middle of God's will, serving with your mind. I'm trying to go quickly here. Serving with your mind. Serving with your mind. God will keep those, it says in Isaiah 26, God will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. The mind is also powerful because Romans 8, 6, and 7 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. The mind is powerful. 1 Corinthians 2, they asked, Who has known the mind of the Lord? Ephesians 4, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Philippians 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. So how do you explain this? Brother Rankin, you're going through all these scriptures, maybe... Maybe mind is a little bit differently. Maybe you're taking them a little bit out of context. I don't know, right? I didn't take the time to study that far, just to be honest. Sorry, Brother Kilman. Forgive me. <laughs> but I think of it this way. When's the last time you slowed down enough to let your mind be directed by the presence of God, to just make a good, smart decision that God can prompt your mind? I believe God can give you wisdom to help you to know what the right career is, and what the right choice of a spouse is, okay? It's not all pie in the sky and clouds and smoke and mirrors. It can just be really practical that if you let your mind dwell on the Lord and your mind isn't only dwelling on the lustful side of a relationship or your mind isn't just lusting after what the paycheck and what it looks like on the job offer, but if your mind is thinking on the Lord, God, how does this line up to what you've called me to do and what you've called me to be. Do you weigh those decisions and thoughts out with the Lord or are you just making decisions based on a price tag or based on how it's wrapped and how it's presented? Fulfill God's will for your life by serving Him, not just with your heart and soul, but also with your mind. I've watched some people who were really passionate. Oh man, they loved God with their heart and with their soul, but it seemed like their mind was a million other places because their mind was in the world. How, how they accomplished that to where their heart, it was maybe just because they only just liked the goosebump feeling. They only liked, they, they, they loved the idea of loving God, but they didn't really fully fill it out, live it out, if that makes sense. So what does this look like for you as a young adult? It could ask you, who are you dating? Is it smart? Is it wise? How does your job affect your walk with God? I know there are certain seasons in life where maybe you're on a shift that makes you miss every once in a while. Now, I'm not your pastor, so Pastor Carson, if these mentors teach you something else, let me just, 
I understand as a pastor, there are some good, faithful people at our church who they just happen to work shift work. And there's one guy that he's passionate, worships, lives for God, but he has to miss one Sunday a month because of the way his rotation of his schedule is. But he doesn't let that impact it. He's not doing that because, uh, you know, it's not every Sunday. If it's every Sunday, then I need to talk to him man to man and be like, yo, bro, this, this doesn't add up. Okay. Does your career path agree with God's plan? What about your extra activities and extra hobbies? I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. You paid 70 bucks to take a Friday and a Saturday, hang out with your friends, eat camp food, and hang out and have fun times, right? Your hobbies. You, you set some of those aside so you could be here. But you got to ask yourself, is there something keeping you from your relationship with God? If there is, then it's not God's will and plan. Let me just, you know, light bulb moment here for a moment. It's not God's will for you to continue in that thing if it keeps you from God and damages your walk from God. If someone is keeping you from your relationship with God, then it's not God's will or plan for you to have them so close in your life. But you must let God help you. And then with your strength. Now, I'm thankful that this doesn't necessarily refer to the size of your muscles because I would suffer a terrible defeat in living for the Lord in this way. But I believe it's talking about your ability, your force, the the the. Uh, the effort that you put into it, this physical aspect of the Lord. So I, so I kind of relate it to this way. Um, when's the last time you used your strength, your effort to serve the kingdom? Serve the kingdom, right? When's the last time you set up tables and chairs? When's the last time you got behind a camera? When's the last time you got on a social media team or you volunteered and you gave your strength? Your generation loves serving and, and being a part of, of uh, corporations. There's all kinds of businesses and coffee shops and, and uh, companies that are all being set up by people your age right now, and they're getting people to work for them because they've got some mission or some big grand idea. Can I tell you, you're a part of the greatest mission ever, the great commission to go and reach the world. If you've ever had something to be motivated to serve for, you're not just serving Pastor and Sister Carson. You're serving the Lord and the mission and the vision to reach Indianapolis and the surrounding areas. Amen? So are you giving your strength, your talent, your calling, to God, to fulfill maybe the traditional or maybe even non-traditional ministries in the church. You've got to understand and be serving. we got to get off of our own things we like to do in enough time to study and to help paint, to write, to sing, to reach, teach, love, care, help, clean, serve, and support the work of God's kingdom. That is God's will for you to find somewhere to serve and to help. And it's also, he said the first one was to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but then also to love your neighbor as yourself. So what does that look like? How do you live that out? What are the steps or decision? There's a whole long series you could go through on that. But if you happen to be on a college campus, if you love others as yourself, you'll think about a campus ministry. You'll think about how you're walking amongst people who might be losing their faith or people who have no faith at all. Could it be that when you just when you think you're going to give up on the campus ministry, keep working at it because that's how you love others. That's God's will for you to be reaching your generation. Be involved in the ministries of your church, volunteering, helping <clears throat> with <clears throat> kids in youth ministry. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Some of you say, well, that's not me. I'm a quiet person. You know what? I'm sure there's a card ministry, somebody you can just send cards to. You could visit shut-ins. You could talk to elders, all those sorts of things. Volunteering. This is loving others 
This is loving others as yourself <clears throat> by giving your best during the praise and worship team practice, by helping and volunteering and cleaning up. So let's ask some questions for you note writers and for those listening on the podcast later and those here that maybe you don't catch it all right now and you'll go back and listen later. Are you feeling a call to ministry? Let me ask you these questions. Are you faithfully praying for your pastor and the ministry team? Or are you only praying if you're the spotlight and you're the person behind the podium? Or do you faithfully pray for your pastor and ministry team? Are you faithfully? We talked to the guys about this. I'm not the pastor, but this is just good Bible preaching and teaching. Are you faithfully giving your tithe and your offerings? Because if you feel called to ministry and if you feel like you're a Christian, you should be doing that anyhow. And then are you faithful to the commitments? When you say yes on Planning Center, when you say yes to the text to be involved in something, are you there and are you faithful? Because if you feel a calling when you can't fulfill those things, you're not living out God's will and you've got to adjust those things. Do you feel a call to missions? Let me ask you this. Are you faithfully praying for missionaries? Do you have one of those maps? Do you have it on your phone? Do you have the prayer list that you can get from WNOP, World Network of Prayer? It tells you how you can pray for missionaries. You can go to globalmissionsupci.com or whatever it is, and you can find the list of missionaries. Are you praying for them? Or are you just wanting to get there so you can take the Instagram shot and everybody knows that you're on the mission field? Are you faithfully giving to missions efforts and offerings? Have you considered an AYC trip or a short-term missions trip? I grew up at a big church, Calvary Tabernacle, and I'll never forget when we sent the Brosoms to Chicago to build a church. It broke my heart because they were my youth pastors, looked up to them so much. But guess where the first sponsorship, and I don't want, I'm not saying this to say that I'm awesome, but all I could afford at the time was $10 a month. I still have the certificate that the North American Missions Division gave me from headquarters because I loved my youth pastor and I loved ministry and I loved church planting, even though I'd never been involved in a church plant. And this guy standing in front of you started just giving $10 a month through putting it in the church, and they sent it on to the Brosoms. You know what? The Lord then let me be involved, thank you, much later, much later in life to work at headquarters and be involved with a lot of things going on at the North American Missions team, be involved in how to get young people involved in North American Missions. I don't think any of that would have happened if I would have held on to my $10 when I was a teenager. Please forgive me if that sounds arrogant or if that sounds like I'm saying awesome as me. I'm just giving you an illustration, okay? That it felt so little. It felt so little at the time. But it was God's will for me to do that. I couldn't go with the Brosoms. That wasn't God's will, but I could go through that giving. I could go through praying at that particular setting. <clears throat> and I want to close with this. Okay, you want to know what's the first next steps? Okay, the first next steps. Here, here, here's, what I, here's what I really believe is that for Michaela and Joel and anybody else we could set in these seats. I couldn't find that in your Apple Music library. You can ask me to play a radio station or ask. I was trying to close my phone. Technology, you love it. That, that he's, he's going to find God's will for his life and all of the rest of us as, we, as we're praying, connecting with God. All right? If you were expecting some big revelatory message today, I don't have it. I just have the simple fact of what's got me to where I am and what's got a lot of my friends into the places where they are in ministry is because we got a hold of this idea of loving God with everything that I have and loving other people. Because when I love 
other people as much as I love myself. It will drive me to give more to missions. It will drive me to sacrifice and to go on missions trips. It will, it will drive me to, to, uh, to give and to serve and to give up personal time for the cause of the mission, not just global missions, but the local mission at the local church. And so when I had opportunities laid before me, whether I was going to go to this thing or go to that thing. Should it be this church? Should it be this job position? At all these different phases in my life, when I was your age and then a little bit older and a little bit older, let me let you in on a little secret. You never really stop looking for God's will for your life. So if you think it's just going to happen at your age group, it's not. I could teach this to your parents too, right? Or they could teach me a thing or two probably. You're constantly trying to listen and lean into what God's will is, okay? And so as you're loving him, the more you're on your knees, the more you're in his word, you'll find those answers and you'll hear his voice more clearly the more you talk to him daily or multiple times a day. And when you're not being selfish, you will make the right choice about who she should be and who he should be that you should marry. All right. And what the career would be, because when you're talking to the Lord and you recognize God, this is not just a selfish decision, but how does this fit in the kingdom? You won't make the wrong choice, even if it does mean that your job is going to give you a mighty good blessing for the paycheck. Don't think that just because it's a good paycheck that it's not God's will. It very well could be because he needs to give you that so you can bless the kingdom somehow. OK, so don't always think, well, it's got to be that I got to take the low road because that's just what God's plan is. He doesn't want me to be rich. There's some people he needs you to be rich because he can trust you with it. The rest of you and us, he can't trust us with the riches, so he doesn't give us riches. All right. All right. That's another sermon for another day. All right. I need to get back to the point. I, I, I love this story. My good friend, Greg Jokey, he, he told me this story all the time. and We've talked about it and no doubt he's preached it everywhere. And he's told me about it. And he said, you need to preach this everywhere too. this idea of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch and the story that happened in Acts chapter eight. And don't worry, I'm, almost, I'm already almost done. OK. It's this. that the angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and he says, arise. And go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. All right? This is very interesting. The first thing that the messenger of the Lord gives Philip is he says, get up and go toward the south. All right? Just get up and go toward the south. On this road that goes from here to there. No other instructions. Just that. No other instructions. When we lived in Oklahoma, if you left the camp meeting and you didn't want to eat at the concession stand, then you would go down to Meridian Street and you would drive one direction and there were restaurants all up one side and down the other. And as most households are, no doubt you've experienced this, you pile in the car and what's the age old question? Where are we going to go eat? And there's 50 million different opinions. Nobody wants to decide unless there's a good alpha male in the car who says this is where we're going and I don't care. I am not that alpha male. I don't have that strong of care. I can eat just about anywhere. So we get in the car and we're going up and down. And what do I do? I go towards the restaurants. And as we get there, the way is explained to me more perfectly by the others <laughs> in the car. There was one particular instance where I said, I am going to get to that stoplight. And that's the end of the road where all the restaurants are. And I'm going to turn around and go back. And if I do not hear where a restaurant is, we are going back to the campgrounds and we won't eat. An answer came suddenly. <laughs> But what did I do? I knew where to go towards the restaurant. What does this have to do with me, Brother Rankin? I'm not going to the Oklahoma camp anytime soon, and I already know where I'm going to go eat Sunday night after church. 
Some of you, you just need to get up because you're going nowhere right now. And you just need to get up and listen to where God says, just go this way. Just start getting to church faithfully. That might be your first step. Just start giving because you've not been giving. Just start getting your hands up in worship because you've been having them down for so long. And that could be your first road to loving God. Some of you, you need to forgive somebody because you can't love others as you love yourself because you can't forgive them for what they did even after last night's service. You just need to get up and go toward the south. Because when he did, he arose and went. Then guess what happened? Behold, a man of Ethiopia, right? He had come to Jerusalem to worship, but he was returning and going back. Okay, he was, he was under the authority of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. And so he's going back. And he was in his chariot and he was reading from Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet. And then as Philip arose and he went and he obeyed and he sees this man, the spirit then says, go near and join yourself to that chariot. So what did Philip do? He ran thither to him and heard him. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. He said, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I? How can I understand this except some man guide me? And then he says, come up into the chariot and explain and sit here with me and tell me the instructions. So Philip, he goes towards the south. And as he's obedient to what the Lord's messenger told him to do, then the instructions get more specific. And he says, you see that man there? Go to that chariot and join yourself there. The directions are getting more specific. The more that Philip obeys, the more the instructions get specific. So if you're looking for more specific direction from God, start obeying the last thing he told you to do. If you haven't done that, the rest of the instructions aren't going to come. And then finally, when you get in the middle of God's will, then the Ethiopian eunuch, he's the one actually giving the instructions. He says, here's what I need. Here's what I'm hap what's happening in my life. So if you find yourself, all of a sudden you'll look around and things will be coming to you. Brother Hargrave in Dallas, he calls it a God gravity. That's kind of the word he likes to use to steal that from him. That when you're in the right place with God, God draws and brings everything that needs to be to you. And he pushes everything that doesn't need to belong there. When you get right in the middle of God's will, you're listening to the last thing that he told you. It's God's plan for you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it is his will for you to love others as you love yourself. If they would come to the music. Someone wants to come and play a little music so we can have some atmosphere for praying and talking to the Lord. This message will take response here now. But most of the response of living this message is going to happen once you get back to Indy or Greenwood or Lawrence or wherever you live, right? It's going to, it's going to happen there. Because when, when you're on that road back home, it may be that you remember, you know what? The Lord told me to reach out to that person about a Bible study, and I've not even done that yet. So that may be new that you need to obey. It may be that... You haven't, your giving hasn't been what it should be. Your serving hasn't been what it should be. Your worship hasn't been what it should be. Your relationships with other people aren't where they should be. You've been selfish this whole time. And it could be that you came here looking for what God's will is for your life. And you're going to go back home armed with, I need to love God more than I ever have. And I need to love others as I love myself. So Michaela, Joe, Grant, Clay, Landry, Caleb, Destiny, Chris, Brother Williams, John Crabtree, Will, others. God's will for all of your lives in this room is to just love Him. 
and love other people. It all boils down to loving God with everything you have. Because then I believe he unfolds the chapters for you. And he begins to show you. Because you'll hear clearly. Let me just testify to you a little bit. So, there were times. Um, let me tell you a couple stories here. Just to kind of help you hit it home. In 1999, a long time ago, in a land not too far away, but at the Indiana Convention Center, there was a little thing called North American Youth Congress. It was not in the Lucas Oil Stadium. The Lucas Oil Stadium was not even built yet. But in 1999, there was a youth congress. I was 18 years old. And I, I, I was on the platform because I think our youth orchestra played in that youth congress. So that lets you know Youth Congress was a little bit different <laughs> at the time. We were on the platform, and there was this change of ministry leaders. Like, what happens? People age out, right? And, uh, and so they were giving flowers to the wife and honoring the husband. And, you know, oh, yeah, this is great. There was this transition. And while I'm sitting on that stage, holding my trumpet, getting ready to play, I felt the Lord nudge me and tell me, you will be involved in that someday. Really? What? What in the world does that mean? Right? I hold on to that dream. I hold on to that promise. And uh, I tell no one. I tell no one until Kimberly and I get engaged. Or when we're getting pretty serious, I tell her of that. I tell her of that word that God gave me. She's the only other person that knew. Brother Mooney didn't know. My youth pastors didn't know. I kept it right here. Because I wasn't sure if it was, if it was me or if it was the Lord. So I was just going to keep trusting God. So when I was 15 at Indiana camp, God called me very specifically to youth ministry. So when I went to IBC, I knew exactly what I wanted. I took every youth ministry class. Man, I would never miss Sleva's youth ministry class. I was there. I was soaking it all up, every preaching class, everything I could get. I, I, wanted, I wanted it because I knew when I hit the ground running, when I graduate, and we graduate in May of 2003, we're going to hit the ground running and we are going to youth pastor. But in the back of my mind is these instructions that the Lord had told me, this is going to happen someday. But if you know the way the UPC works, you don't campaign for things. Because if you do, then you guarantee you don't get the position. <clears throat> let me just let you in on a secret. That's how it happens. It's not like student council at your school where you run for things and you put banners. So you, you, don't, you don't do that. Because a man's gift will make room for him. So what did I just do? I did what Scripture says. And I just loved God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I loved those kids that we youth pastored with everything I could. And there would be moments at camps or at a general conference when uh, I would feel the Lord remind me, I did tell you that. You just keep holding on and you keep doing what I put right in front of you. So you keep youth pastoring, you keep doing this. So guess what happened? An opportunity to serve in Bible quizzing in Oklahoma, that came open. I wasn't even that great of a quizzer at Calvary. Poor Sister Barkas, she probably pulled her hair out trying to deal with me. I was so shy and quiet, I cried the first time I buzzed in. <clears throat> How God, I just stepped into what was right there. Why? Because I was loving God and I was trying to love others. I was trying to love these kids who needed an assistant quiz director. Then I became quiz director. Then the sectional youth department opened up. So what did that mean? That meant I was trying to love kids in my section, trying to love God and serve with what was right in front of me. Before I knew it, I became youth secretary of the district. Before you know it, I became youth president. Before you knew it, I was too old. And in 2015, Youth Congress was in Oklahoma City. I was the host youth president. It was the year before I was too old to be involved in youth work anymore, according to the UPCI manual for district work. 
Oh, I, I thought the headquarters stuff was far, far away. It wasn't going to happen because I'd passed my point. In fact, when Brother Carson got asked to go to be director of promotion, when he went, I thought that was my chance because him and I are very similar in age. And I thought that was me. It was Justin and not God because God put Brother Carson there. I thought I'd missed it. But in 2015, I stand on the stage and I get to be the guy that welcomes everybody to the district. Welcome, Youth Congress. It was our last time. We didn't know it at the time, really, but it was our last time in a basketball stadium. Welcome to Oklahoma District. My 59 seconds where I nearly tripped as I stepped up the stage. And as I walked off the stage, I said, thank you, Lord. You let me, you let me be involved in, in Youth Congress, which is what I thought. And he whispered to me and he said, nope, not done yet. Lord, really? There's no way. Don't you know my age and how everything works? It, it, it's not going to work, Lord. Well, on October 10th, 2016, Michael Enzi texted me and he said, do you have time to talk? I said, yeah, I'll connect after our family run. I get the kids to bed. So we call and he says, we want to interview you to be the director of promotion to come work at headquarters for what is at the time General Youth Division. And so the next week we met them in Oklahoma City, had to be super secretive about it. Couldn't let anybody know, right? Because if it didn't work out, all those sort of things. Why am I telling you all this? It's not to say how great I am. It's to show you that if you just keep loving God and doing what's right in front of you, before you know it, you'll find yourself. Some people don't get maybe as a specific word as I had. I told my pastor about it one time, long before the process was ever going on, and he looked at me and he said, don't ever tell anybody else what you just told me. He wasn't saying it ugly, but he was trying to protect me so that I wouldn't become Joseph and go tell everybody. He said, don't tell anybody. You hold that on to you. My wife, my brother-in-law, and my pastor were the only people that knew, and God. And so I finally told someone else, because I'm sitting across the table from Michael and Rebecca Enzi with my wife, and we're talking about it, and he's, he's pitching the idea, and he says, we, we, we think you're the couple. And so I felt the Lord nudge me and say, tell him the story. And I told him that story, and tears began to flow down his face. And he told me, he said, you're not the only one who's been in these type of positions who has that very same story. He said, God did give you that, and this is going to be fulfilled now. And so, in 2017, 18 years later, guess where Youth Congress was? Indianapolis, Indiana. And guess who's holding the giant plaque as we're honoring Michael and Rebecca Enzi as it's their final, their final year, they're going out. Guess who is standing there holding their giant placard with all the cool pictures? And he's in, Brother Carson's there honoring the Enzi's. And I'm the guy standing there holding the thing to honor the outgoing person. And the Lord says, now it's happened. A whole lifetime later, I was 18 when he called me to that. And it was 18 full years later before I ever saw it come to fruition. Now, please don't get discouraged and think, Lord, I can't wait 18 years to find out if she's the one or he's the one. <laughs> if I can wait 18 years to see that step fulfilled and still keep doing what God wanted to do through me. Oh, there was all kinds of times where I wanted to give up, throw up my hands, say, God, I thought. But he kept reminding me, that's not just your end goal, but what you're doing now is going to get you there someday. So I tell you that to say that if I could trust God there, that when it came time to when COVID year hit and it was our last year to be in youth ministries, 
and we were aging out and everybody knew it. And Brother Bernard's broadcasting it over the online general conference saying, you cannot vote for youth president. Brother Carson, he's pastoring in Indy. You cannot vote for Brother Ranking. He's too old. Everybody knows, right? Well, guess who doesn't know what God's will is for his life? Me. Everybody else knows we're the eligible people that are going out, right? They're looking for a place. Lord, I'm looking for a place too. There were opportunities that came, okay, that I thought I had five things in my mind when I went to headquarters that I would do afterwards. Would you know that one by one by one, they all were presented to me. And one by one by one by one. God said, no, or not yet, maybe later. One time, very specifically, the spot where I prayed all the time in St. Louis as I knelt down before the knees really even hit the carpet. And I was praying it out loud. God, what about this? No. Like instantly no. And I thought, are you sure, God? Because I really wanted to go to that one. I really wanted to go because I really loved that particular area of ministry. And he said, no. I said, no. Okay, God. I know what it sounds like when you talk to me because I've talked to you for so many years. So you want to know how to hear God's voice? Start talking to him right now when you don't have a big decision to make. Because then when you do have those big decisions to make, you'll hear it loud and clear. And when you want to argue with him, he'll just put his arm around you and say, I get it. I understand. I know, I know why you want to go there. I know why you want to do that, but just trust me. God's will for your life, everybody. Keep loving him and love others. I wonder if you stand with me. This may be a different session than what you're used to getting ready to go home normally we try to rile you all up go save the world you know but i think you can save the world when you start loving god with everything and you start loving other people as much as you love yourself so i know our custom is usually to step out from where you are there's not enough room for all of us to fit up here but first of all right where you are let's lift our hands let's begin to lift our voice and i i hope that my testimony of god's story in our life can bless you and in God's story to, to in the scriptures of loving him with everything. Come on, somebody. You've not been loving God as much as you should have. You've not been loving other people. And the Lord's trying to get your attention today. Maybe your level of service to your church and the kingdom of God hasn't been where it needs to be. God's trying to give you a, a space of grace, an opportunity to correct your course today. And some of you, you do have a very specific dream or a, or a vision or a, or a calling like God gave to me. And you've been holding on and wondering, it could be that today God's using this session to remind you, just keep loving the Lord. Just keep loving people and do what's right in front of you. Just take the next step obediently and quickly as God is directing you to do it. Lord Jesus, we obey, we listen.